are really good at quieting down and getting in your seats. Um, I'm always amazed, actually. We're well trained by the bell. Well, good morning. My name is Paul Buckley. Welcome. If you're a guest with us, we're glad you're here. Um, we think this is a great place to be. We trust that you're blessed as you visit us, uh, wherever you might be, wherever you might be in your journey. Uh, maybe you're just curious about Christianity. We think this is a great place to be, to get to hear the truth and kind of see how it works its way out in people's lives, uh, certainly imperfectly, but in a real way. Uh, so if you have any questions, please ask. We're very open. We want to help you if you're in that place. Uh, maybe you're just, you, you are a believer in Christ. You're here visiting just for the day. Or maybe you're looking for a home church. We would love to help you in that journey. We think this is a great place to be, but there's also, thank God, many wonderful churches in the area as well. Um, there's really no better place to be than to be with God's people and in God's presence on a Sunday. I can remember, um, and, and I still have this uh, disposition, I, I, I like to be where there's things going on. I like to be kind of where it's happening. And I can remember years ago as a young person, before I knew the Lord, that was everything. I had to be in the right place. I had to be around you know, where things were happening, however I defined it. But really, God defines where things are happening differently. And He loves His people. He loves when His people gather. And He loves to dwell in our midst. And in God's eyes, this is, this is the, the happening place. And, and all across the world as God's people gather in His name. And so it's good to be together. And good to be together to worship. And good to be together to hear His Word. God Himself speaks to us. He's given us His book so that we might hear from Him, that we might be changed, that we might encounter Him, that we might believe and follow. And so we are a church committed to the Word of God and we love going through uh, books of the Bible in, in order. And so we are this morning um, going through, going through uh, Ephesians. We're back in our series in Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 6, verse 4. We're just going to talk about one verse today. Uh, and it's a verse related to fathers. The title of the message is A Father's Call. Uh, and it lined up with our parenting seminar yesterday. That wasn't on purpose. It just happened to be that way. But uh, I trust it will be a good reminder for us as we dig into God's Word and hear from Him about these key truths. And they are key truths for us. Um, Josh McDowell did a study on, of 1,000 parents and 2,000 children. He found that adolescents raised in single-parent families were 30% more likely to be involved in drugs and alcohol and violence. And maybe that's an obvious one to you. Maybe you've heard that stat. But he also found something that was very intriguing in this study. He found in two-parent families, so it's a father and a mother, where there was a poor or just a fair relationship with the father, the children were 68% more likely to get involved in drugs and alcohol and violence. 68, so more than the single-parent situation. However, on the other side, where there was a good relationship with the dad, they were 96% less likely to get involved in those things. So, isn't that interesting? The first stat, yeah, okay, single parents, we, we know that can be very difficult. But, but the study actually says in intact two-parent families, there's actually a tremendous ability to, to be harmful uh, in a, when there's a poor relationship with the dad, and a tremendous ability to be helpful when there's a good relationship. That, that's startling. Um, and it's right in line, really, with God's Word and what we're looking at today. He doesn't leave us. God doesn't leave us alone with these realities, with these stats. And, 
And, and I would say regardless of, of what the culture might think, regardless maybe of what you even think about the roles of, of the role of a father, the role of a father is hugely important. Hugely important. And, and either through his active service and leadership of the family or his passivity or absence, a father has huge influence. God knows that and He's given us His Word here in Ephesians as we make our way through in this series uh, to teach us about this. No, it's not Father's Day today, but it is Ephesians 6, 4 day today. So we're going to dig into this. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us and teach us from His Word. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You don't leave us alone with this reality, but You help us and You equip us. How we need You, Lord. We need to encounter You in Your Word. Father, we need not only the information, the truth that's here, but we, we ask for transformation in the truth. We ask You to be here with us. Help us to hear from You and encounter You in Your glory. And help me to serve this end as well, Lord. I'm not equal to that task, but Lord, You're gracious and faithful. And we want You, Lord. We want more of You this morning. So visit us in the preaching and teaching and listening to Your Word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Just one short verse today in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Just by way of reminder, our text as we've gone through Ephesians, we've learned about the wonderful good news of Christ. We are reconciled to God. Our sins are paid for. We're joined to Him. We're given the Holy Spirit. God Himself lives in us. We have this new way of living. We're new creations. And now in light of that new life, in light of that grace of God, there's all these ways that we're called to walk out that life. And so this verse is one among many in the section in Ephesians on walking out the wonderful good news of the Gospel. So it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4. One short text, but with lots of wonderful truth, important truth, and I want to spend time digging into this. I believe the bottom line here is that God's, that dads are called to lead their children in gospel-centered living. Dads are called to lead their children in gospel-centered living. We're going to look at three aspects of this. Uh, first, that, that being a dad is a call to impart gospel truth. Second, being a dad is a call to impart gospel discipline or a lifestyle. And third, that being a dad is a call to accept no lesser goals. Those are the three things I want to talk about. Not quite in that order, actually. Uh, I want to first talk about what we see first in the text here. That the first thing, calling fathers not to provoke their children, that a fatherhood is a call to avoid lesser goals. Paul starts out here saying, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. He starts out saying what dads shouldn't do. They shouldn't provoke their children to anger. There's a parallel verse in Colossians 3.21 where it says that fathers are not to discourage their children. Not to provoke them and so to discourage them. It's really interesting. So there are parallel verses here. They're not to provoke them to anger. And in Colossians, not to provoke them to discouragement. And really, anger and discouragement are, are two reactions. Two, in a sense, um, unhealthy reactions to uh, an overbearing or even an absent father. Anger or discouragement. And so it's calling fathers not to sow 
conduct their lives, not to relate to their children in a way to provoke them to anger or discouragement. Isn't that interesting that Paul starts that way? Telling dads what they ought not to do. Why would he do that? Why would Paul start with what a dad ought not to do? Well, because of the truth we touched on in the introduction. The, the, the profound influence of dads. Dads are influential on their children whether they like it or not. And we must, as dads, be aware. We must be aware of, of the power we have as dads to influence our children perhaps in a bad way. We must be careful not to provoke them, not to tempt them, not to do things uh, in how we conduct ourselves that, w- that would lead them to, to react in anger and rebellion and anger or, or discouragement and despair. And those are two common reactions to situations that are difficult that people have. Now in the ancient world when this was written, dads had uh, complete ultimate authority over their families. They basically could do anything they wanted with their family. Um, thankfully, we have the rule of law now kind of limiting those things. But in those days, they could really do anything. And, and dads could be despots. They could just rule over the house and make everyone fear their words. And so that's part of the context here. Because historically, they had this influence. But I would submit to you that, that whether, whether or not the culture is like that, dads still are profoundly influential. And so this verse remains true regardless of the conventions of the time. By the way, I, I want to understand, I want you to understand that this passage is, is targeted towards dad. It, it, dads. It's looking at dads, it's addressing dads, but it's not only for dads. There's truth here that, go, that goes with uh, moms too. Actually, in Proverbs, as it talks about instructing children, instructing young people, at times it puts the mother's instruction right alongside the father's. A couple of verses, Proverbs 6.20, it says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Just kind of put right side by side. The end of Scripture, chapter 31, the word says the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So when Paul says, fathers do not provoke your children and lead this way, he's not meaning to say, moms, you you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have anything to do. He's assuming that there's a role for moms. It's just not targeted there. It's not getting into that. So moms, hear this and hear these truths for you. And there's truths we'll see as we go along here that are really instructions for all of life, not just dads. There are things here, this, this idea of, of leading your children and the discipline and instruction of the Lord is really what it is to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to live in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And, and we'll, we'll unpack that. So I just say that as a, as a caveat at the beginning so that you understand that these truths are really for all of us, not just dads. But it starts out calling dads not to, not to provoke their children. Dads are hugely influential. And dads, if they're not careful, can, can conduct themselves, can relate to their children for selfish reasons. And I'd say to you, the reality is, is if you're a dad, you will be selfish at points. You will struggle. You will face just your, your own selfishness. And, and there can be these assumptions about parenthood that come out as time goes on. As, as things are difficult in parenting for you as a dad, you're, you're just going to encounter things and you're going to realize, wow, there was 
something else going on in my life. God will bring along failures and struggles just to point out your own, my own failure, your, my own bad motives. I think sometimes we can think that being a dad is about our comfort. It's really, that's, that's what we're after is our comfort. And we want kids that make life comfortable. We want kids that make us happy. We, we have kids because of what we can get from them. And we can get in that mode and just kind of be there and it's about what I get. And, and, and we can treat it not all that different than other things that we do maybe for, for what we can get out of them. We do different hobbies in life, right? Because we get something out of them. We, I don't know, whatever your hobby might be. Fishing. Um, stamp collecting. Why do you do that hobby? Because you get something out of it, right? And if you stop getting something out of fishing, do you keep on doing it? I mean, if you just... I don't know, maybe you live in a place and, and there's no good fishing. There's, all the f- ponds are fished out. Do you keep on fishing? Probably not, because you're not getting anything out of it. So you just put the fishing rod away. And sometimes in being a dad, we can approach being a dad like a hobby. It's like, I do this because I get something out of it. But if it's difficult, I just want to put the fishing rod away. I just want to kind of, I want to be absent. I want to find a way to hide. I want to find something else that will... You know, I can give myself to, so I'm going to work more hours, or I'm going to hang out with my buddies more, or I'm going to golf more, or whatever it might be. could even be I'm going to plug myself into the church more and not give myself to my family. Because I'm not getting things out of it like I used to. And that's in line with this idea of fathers not provoking your children. Don't be selfish. Don't find motives. Don't walk in selfish motives in parenting. Paul Tripp says... Um, Speaking about parenting teens, he says, what do I really want from my teens? Typically, I think we have a quote to put up. Typically, I want pre-sanctified, self-parenting children. I want children I can take to a restaurant without being embarrassed. I want children who do their homework without being nagged. I want an easy life for myself. Frankly, I never expected that becoming a parent meant I would have to lay down my life for my children. But that's exactly what God calls me to do. My redemption not only cost Christ his glory, it also cost him his life. Christ models how I need to live as someone redeemed by costly love. Dads, we're called to live this way. We're called to lay down our lives for our children. To not make it about us. Not even to really make it about our children, but to make it about the Lord. To serve our children as dads. We hold a lot of power in our hands as dads. And our encouragement, our love, our instruction can make all the difference. And our impatience and anger or selfishness can hurt deeply. We can import so many motives into being a father that are unhelpful. Writer and cartoonist Frank Clark said, A father is a man who expects his son to be as good a man as he meant to be. A father is a man who expects his son to be as good a man as he meant to be. Dads, have you ever felt that or recognized that motive? Children, (laughs) have you ever felt that motive from your dad? I don't think it's a very good motive, but it can be there. And we we can err on the side of making our parenting about creating the perfect kid or, or making up for the mistakes we made. We can be driven very strongly by the idea that I just don't want them to, to do the things I did that were stupid. And, and that becomes our standard for our parenting as a dad. And the Bible doesn't call us to do that per se. 
calls us to something else. May God be merciful on our children and keep them from those mistakes. But if your goal is to keep them from making the same mistakes, you have an unrealistic, even an unbiblical goal. And you're going to fail. And you're going to provoke your children in that goal. There are all sorts of lesser motives we can give ourselves to. And, and I could just tell you stories uh, about the impact on my own life and my children and, and lesser motives, but um, I, I, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to embarrass not just myself. I don't mind embarrassing myself. I don't want to embarrass my kids telling stories about things. So, but we have plenty and we can tell you some other time. But the reality is, is we struggle. We struggle. We all struggle. We all struggle with, with false motives in parenting. And, and it just seems sometimes as I you know, have looked back and now our children are older, they're all adults, but through the years and as I look back now, it just, it just seems like one struggle after another. One episode of my own heart being revealed. One, one more time where I realized, wow, that really wasn't about Jesus. That really wasn't about Ephesians 6.4. That was about me, what I wanted. And God exposed it. And God was really faithful to expose those things again and again and again and again. He cares enough about our families and, and our parenting and us as dads to not leave us to these lesser goals. And so first, and really importantly, I want you to hear this, dads, being a father is about not giving ourselves to lesser goals, but to something much better. And that's what this passage gets into. To not provoke our children, not to provoke them towards anger, or discouragement. And by the way, if, if you are listening and realizing, wow, that's, that's something I struggle with. You're not alone. And that's why we're together as a church to help each other. So talk to someone else about it. Come alongside. Because we are all learning from this and we're all learning to apply the second part of these verses and these other calls. That fatherhood's not only a call to, to avoid lesser goals, but fatherhood is a call to impart gospel truth. It says here, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Other translations, that's from the English Standard Version, will translate these into the English words nurture and admonition of the Lord. The idea here is that dads are to not give themselves to the lesser motives, but instead they are to give themselves to leading and bringing up, raising up their children, cultivating uh, an environment and a relationship where, the, where there's the lifestyle of following Christ and the truth of following Christ that gets imparted to the children. So the lifestyle and the truth. The, the, the aspects, the discipline, the, the walking out, the, the nitty-gritty, but also the wonderful truths, the glorious reality of Christianity. That's what dads are supposed to do with, the, with their family, with their children. Really, that's what we're, we're to do as Believers, that's what we're to do for one another, isn't it? We are to encourage one another in the lifestyle and the truth. They go together. They, one flows into the other. And this is what dads are called to do. This idea of the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I want to talk about those two elements for dads. First, I want to talk about the idea of, of the admonition or instruction of the Lord. Bringing truth. Bringing, bringing instruction. Bringing comprehensive instruction, kind of a, a whole worldview picture in how you teach and train and encourage your children. I believe that in order for us to bring the instruction of the Lord, we have to, we have to ourselves understand the instruction of the Lord. We are, have to ourselves really grasp 
what this worldview is. And not just the information about it. And, and, it, and the information is glorious. The instruction of the Lord, the truth of the Lord. Certainly at, at, at the core, the truth of the Lord is the wonderful truth that, that God has come to earth, has become a man, lived a righteous life, fulfilled our righteousness, and then given His life on the cross to pay for our sins, to, to atone for our sins, to pay for our lawlessness, as Mike said, our turning away from God, His good ways, and turning to our own way, to pay the penalty, the, the brokenness, the penalty that comes from that through His blood shed on the cross. And then He rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death. So through faith in Him, we could have life and forgiveness and know Him. That's the core truth. But with that truth comes all these other aspects of who God is and how He works and, and what His plan is and, and how He wants to work in and through the church and how all things were created by Him and for Him and, and how He displays His glory in all the universe. That's all the instruction of the Lord. That whole package goes together. That's what Paul is getting at here. And if you want to be faithful and fruitful and instructing your children in these truths, then you need to grasp them yourself. You need to be captivated by them yourselves. You need to understand just how amazing it is that God Himself, the Holy One, would take your sin on Himself on the cross. So you could be forgiven and free. You need to have your heart gripped by that. The best instruction you can give your, your child, your son or daughter, is, is the instruction from a heart that's been humbled and is amazed that God, the Son, shed His blood for you and loves you and has rescued you. A heart that's glad in your forgiveness and Desperate for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's, that's the instruction of the Lord. It's not just being able to knock off things on the list, on the curriculum. It's the truth and how you understand it and how it's impacted you. And how you live it out. and Living out the example and teaching them about it. We cannot adequately instruct others in the wonders of the Gospel if we ourselves are not in wonder. That's the weight of this verse. It presses on us, dads, doesn't it? This is what we're called to. We're to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We're to have lives that are being affected. And how we need help. Don't we need help? Don't we need help to, for God to break through into our hard hearts, to meet us in our struggles and in our weakness? There are realities here that... that I don't have time to address. There's weakness we struggle with. There are circumstances. There are distractions. There's all sorts of things that would keep us from ourselves grounding in the good news and growing in gratitude and joy and in faith. But that's why we're together. That's why we're here today. That's why you're listening to God's Word. That's why the Holy Spirit is here to touch you. That's why we're here to walk together in small groups and in relationships throughout the week. Because God wants the instruction of the Lord to transform us in a way that, that in some ways it's almost natural to raise our children in the instruction of the Lord. That's what He's after here. This isn't a formula for successful parenting here. 
This is a lifestyle. This is Christianity on display through the dad to his children. This is the, the grasping and the application of all the rest of Ephesians in the context of fatherhood. God wants us to be in awe. He wants us to pass that on to our children. He calls us to, to cry out to Him for help in this. And before you say, Lord, change the heart of my child, you say, Lord, change my heart. Before you say, Lord, capture my child for you, say, Lord, capture me for you. Ask God to transform you that you might raise your children in the instruction of the Lord. Be, be amazed by Him so that you can share that and impact your children. Ted Tripp says the following. He says, Our teenagers go into the world every single day to find things to marvel at. They are on the lookout to be impressed by something. They love to be dazzled by things in their surroundings, but not only our teens, we are all made to be dazzled. We're made to stand back and gape, to wonder and be overwhelmed by the glory and goodness and greatness of God. We're uniquely designed to respond to this awesome glory with worship, adoration, reverence, and being awestruck with God's glory. We're made for worship. And if we don't worship God, we're going to worship something else. And if your children don't worship God, they're going to worship something else. And so we're called to worship. We're called to be amazed. We're called to return to the truth of the Gospel. The good news of Christ is the power of God for salvation. Salvation is not just that first day where you believe and know that all your sins are paid for. It's the final day. The good news impacts us to, to bring us to the fullness of salvation. It sanctifies us. It changes us. That good news of Christ is our, is our foundation. It's our anchor. It's the power of God to be dazzled. It's the place where God meets us and displays His glory and transforms our hearts. Not just that first day, but every day. So dads, we need to return again and again to the wonderful good news. And be aware of our sin, but even more so of our Savior who suffered for us and died and rose again and now lives in us and through us. To be dazzled. To, to start to see life in light of that truth. To start to look at the world with new glasses on. Gospel glasses that, that fill us with gratitude. Fill us with faith. Make us worshipers. So that then we can share that with others. That we can raise our children in the instruction of the Lord. I hope that makes sense. I hope that's helpful. And I hope you have fresh hope for God to work in your life. And an understanding of how that works. I'd say a good place to start is just that prayer of desperation, help me Lord. And then get in His Word and get around Brothers, dads, get around brothers. Share your need. Share your weakness. And let them pray for you. Start to build relationships with other men that realize their weakness and know the truth of Ephesians 6.4. The weight that's there. But the grace that's there for us to begin to walk in it. That we might raise our children in the instruction of the Lord. Third point. 
Fatherhood's a call to impart gospel discipline, to, to lead our children in the lifestyle of the Lord. That the truth, the instruction of the Lord, automatically leads to a lifestyle. It's walked out. There's a way to live it. And we're to lead by example. We're to lead by instruction as well how to live this lifestyle. We're, we're to do things as dads. To shepherd our children. To, to be a shepherd. An under-shepherd under Christ. A good shepherd. To shepherd our children. To, to teach them. Instruct them. So they get what the lifestyle looks like. To live it out before them. And we're not to be loose in our understanding. We're not, to, we're not to wonder at all the instruction of the Lord and then just say, well, it doesn't matter how we live. We just do anything. No. If you get the truth, if you get the wonder of the Gospel, if you get what He's done for us, what He's provided for us, and the freedom we have, and the, and the power we have in the Holy Spirit, you're going to want to live it out. And, and we are to lead our children in the same. Titus 2, in speaking about this, says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, Training us, the same sort of word there about the discipline, the lifestyle, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. Uh, I think, do we have that to project? Titus 2? Um, that's a wonderful verse there that, that mixes the truth of the Gospel, the truth of the instruction of the Lord with the lifestyle. There's a lifestyle of good works that follow with that. Grace produces lifestyle. It doesn't leave us lazy and unchanged. It creates a life animated by grace where there's a diligence and a joy and holiness. There's a desire to get in His Word and to walk in His ways. And so we're to instruct our children on how it gets worked out. How grace changes us. How grace leads us in how we live. How this new life oriented around God and wanting to worship God leads us to honor those that He's put in authority around us. So we speak respectfully to parents and elders. We are kind to others made in His image. We walk in the fear of the Lord because He's in charge of all things. It's His universe. And, and no matter where I go, He's there. and He's in control. And He has ways that He calls me to live. He has ways for me to love others. Practical ways. So th those are the different things. The instruction of the Lord. And the Bible's full of instructions on how to live. We, we call these things the law of God. We talked about this yesterday at the parenting seminar. Um, do you know that there are more commandments in the New Testament than the Old? There's, was it 685 in the Old Testament? I forget the exact number. Um, and there are 1,050 in the New Testament. So to be a believer in Christ is to be empowered and transformed by the good news of Christ and then called to walk it out in all sorts of ways. And, and that's what we've been doing as we go through Ephesians, looking at all these ways. So dads, you are called to walk it out, to live it out, to depend on Him for grace, to walk it out and to not be lazy, but to be diligent. To walk in these things and lead your children in them. There's a responsibility we have in it. Now you can't change your child's heart. You can't be God for your child. That's not what I'm saying. But there needs to be a real way that they see it lived out by you as their dad. And it in involves all sorts of different things that, that we might do. Reading the Word together. Praying regularly. How we speak to others. How, we, how you speak to your wife. 
how you speak to your other children, how you speak to others, watching that, seeing how that's worked out in your life. These are the things that are part of the, the discipline of the Lord, the lifestyle of the Lord. We're not to be an absent father, but to be involved in the lives of our children. To be present with them and to walk in these disciplines. There, and there's all sorts of, of, of things here. And there should be a sobriety, dads, in this. A recognition we're called to these things and, and an avoidance of, of laziness. I, I would just tell you that I, as a dad, can be lazy at times. I can struggle with this. I see dads that, that can be lazy. It can feel really overwhelming at times. You read Ephesians 6.4 and you think, wow, I'm supposed to do all this stuff. I can't do it. And you can't. But God gives you grace and, and you're not to stop trying. You're not to stop asking. You're not to stop walking it out. You're not to abdicate your role. There's a scary story in, in 1 Samuel about absentee fatherhood that has scared me for good and helped me. It's the story of Eli. You guys know the story of Eli? Eli was a very successful man. He was successful in his vocation. He was the high priest of God. He had a seemingly successful and even anointed ministry. He developed his successor. He was exemplary leader in many ways. But one thing he neglected, he neglected to lead his sons in particular in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And, and there was disaster that followed. If you read the story of Eli, it's, in, it's interesting to note that it wasn't that Eli didn't do anything to deal with his sons. He did. And there are instances where he addressed his sons. His sons were working in the temple and they were doing uh, terrible things there. Involved with prostitution and other things in the temple grounds. And, and, and it, was, it was blasphemy. It was a supreme insult against God. God was not going to be silent. And Eli did address them. He did say something to them. He did. He solemnly warned his sons. He did whatever was appropriate probably and just saying, stop it. You've got to stop it. But he didn't follow through. There was an absenteeism there. It wasn't that he didn't do anything. He didn't do everything he could have to have implored his sons and, and, and called them and required them to walk in the ways of the Lord. Maybe Eli thought that he could just kind of do a little here. Spend a little bit of time here. You know, if I get 10 minutes of quality time with my son per, per week, you know, if it's really high quality time, you know, it's, it's not the quantity, it's the quality, so I'll make those 10 minutes fantastic and, you know, and somehow this will work. And it didn't. I don't, I don't know what he did in particular, but he failed to do everything he could. And as a result, he and his whole household were, were judged by God. And it's just instructive for us as dads to recognize we're called to a level of diligence in Him. We're called to be involved. We're called to, 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 to instruct our children in the lifestyle. What it looks like. We're to be that involved in their life that they know our life. They know the details of our lives. We know their lives. We share stories. We, we talk about what's going on. When, when we're able, we're there for their sporting events. We're there for these other things. Or at least we're able to talk through it. And we share from our own life. And they get to know us. We share our dreams with them. They, they see how we live. They, they see us praying in the morning. They hear our prayers. They hear our humility and our desperate need. They come along 
side us to different events. There's a lifestyle they're encountering there. Not just a little bit of time here and there. Does that make sense? I I hope we understand that. That's what's going on here in in this idea of the discipline of the Lord. It's, It's instructing in every aspect of how to live. That's what we're called to. And there's, there's so much. In, in all this context, there's so much opportunity to have tremendous impact on our children by God's grace as He works in our desperately needy lives. One of the things I think we can most impact our children with dads is encouragement. So as you come alongside, as you get to know your daughter and son, and you see them and in their life, and you observe their gifts and stuff, to encourage them. Just to remind them of how God is at work. It's, this is a discipline. This is a lifestyle. Maybe for you, you've not understood and lived this out yourself. But I think there's strong biblical reason to focus on encouragement more than correction. The strong biblical reason I see is that is grace. The wonder of grace. That that. God is so good to us and we don't deserve it. And He's active around us. And He's rescued us. He loves us. Our sins are forgiven. He's working in us. He's given us gifts. He's surrounded us with gifts. We don't deserve any of this stuff. If we are honest about our sin and our rebellion, we don't deserve all these blessings, yet they surround us. So we should be very aware of how good God is to us. Most supremely in Christ. The pastor uh, Murray McShane said, for every one look at your sins, take ten looks at Christ. Every one look at your sins, take ten looks at Christ. Remember who Christ is and how you're forgiven and loved. It's not that you shouldn't look at your sin, but tenfold look at Christ. Look at grace. Look at God's glory. That principle, I think, applies to all of life and how we relate to people. Peg and I call it the 90% factor and we try to practice it with our children. We fall short, but it's something we're committed to. That as we relate to our children, they would hear more about what we are excited about. About God in general and about their lives. That for them to relate to us is to encounter encouragement more than anything else. Because we're grateful and we're aware of undeserved grace. and We're aware of the undeserved grace of God being at work in their lives. Don't leave your son or daughter, dad, hungry for encouragement. Hoping somehow to make their dad happy. To do something. Too many children live this way. In an interview that aired in 2011, Pierce Morgan interviewed Howard Stern, the shock jock. Not necessarily promoting Howard Stern or Pierce Morgan, but they had an interesting interaction. At one point in the interview, Morgan said he had read that Stern had watched his father praise people that he really respected and that Howard had grown up craving that praise from his, his dad. He commented to Stern that he seemed to be driven by the need to please his parents. And he said, how often does your father say to you, great show, Howard? Rarely, replied Stern. He said to me some years ago, and, and it really moved me. He said, you're a genius. And I was rocked because I never thought I'd hear those words. I didn't think I was ever going to earn that respect in my father's eyes. What had you done to earn it, do you think, Pierce probed? I think it was after my movie, Stern replied. It was after many accomplishments. I think in many ways with my career, I was searching for that approval from my father. And it's a very empty search, actually. 
Because when you get it, it's almost too late. It's like, oh, you mean that was what this was all about? That's what this was all for? Dads, don't leave your sons to wait till adulthood to maybe have some sense of your encouragement and your delight in them. Part of leading them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is leading them in a lifestyle of encouragement and conveying to them how grateful you are for them, how you delight in them. God would use that, I believe, powerfully in your children as one way among many to show what it looks like to not only believe these truths, but to walk them out. If the bank could come up as we close. God's design for fatherhood is to have tremendous impact on children for their good. He calls us not to give ourselves to lesser motives, but to give ourselves to raise our children, our sons and daughters, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You guys have probably heard about Jonathan Edwards and maybe even heard this story about him. He was an extraordinary father. He's a theologian and a pastor in the mid-18th century. He was firm yet gracious with his children, if you read about him. And a, an intern, a pastoral intern who lived with them had this to say he, about his parenting, about his father. And he said, he actually established parental authority and produced, he effectually established parental authority and produced a cheerful obedience ever after. Jonathan spent daily devotional time with his children. He spent time having fun and learning together. And all his children spoke about him with great affection and admiration. He was a man who was in love with his Savior and his God. And he passed this on to his children. Now, not all of his children came to faith in a lifestyle of following Christ. You should know that one of them, the youngest, uh, though very prestigious in life, from what I understand, went to his grave without faith or good morals. But by and large, there was much good fruit in his children. So much so that in 1900, about 150 years after his death, an investigation was made of his about 1,400 descendants. And of those 1,400 descendants, there were 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 3 United States senators, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 Army Navy officers, 100 preachers and missionaries, 60 authors of prominence, a vice president of the United States, 80 uh, public officials, 300 college graduates back in the day when people didn't go to college, governors of states, ministers to foreign countries. Winship, the guy who did the study, said there is scarcely any great American industry that has not had one of this family among its chief promoters. And it all started with a dad who loved Jesus, who was desperate for grace, and brought up his children in the instruction of the good news and the lifestyle as well. May God do even more through the dads among us, as we recognize the call not to give ourselves to lesser goals, but to give ourselves to raising our children, ourselves living first, and then raising our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I know that this topic is a challenging one for us to hear. 
Challenging for us as dads because we know we're weak. Challenging us for, as children perhaps because we've had dads who have fallen short. But Lord, we thank You for grace. We thank You that You care about this. You put it in Your Word that we might be challenged by it and run to You. And so Lord, in conclusion, I ask, help us, O God. Grant us grace. The dads here, grant us grace to walk in You, Lord, in the truth of the Gospel and the life that flows from it. Grant us grace to lead our children in it. Grant us grace to lock arms with others. Grant us grace to help younger dads understand how to walk these things out. To bring comfort to those through the Gospel of grace who have suffered perhaps from dads who did not walk in these truths. Grant us grace. Help us, O Lord. We thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord, that You are the Supreme Father, the Faithful One, and we can come to You to lead us in these truths, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's just take